amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hey, pull up a chair. It's Hacks on Tap with David Axelrod, Robert Gibbs, and Mike Murphy. think we're getting under his skin just saying i don't know mike murphy uh hey. she may not be wrong huh nikki haley she i don't know if she's getting anywhere but she's definitely getting under his skin i think that's the point it's uh, incredibly fun to watch her get under his skin he might get mad enough to bury her alive in delegates yeah <laughs> that's that's the problem yeah, she's yeah, winning yeah. the entertainment primary and god bless her for it uh we we will see how election day goes down there. I mean, I think she's going to be the president of Charleston. It, it's slightly but different, reminiscent of the Marco Rubio stand-up that lasted for about a week in yeah, uh, yeah, in right. two thousand and sixteen. But you know what? Is she getting under his skin? No one can tell us better than the man who's written not one, not two, but three books. The trifecta. About Donald Trump, including the latest uh, bestseller, Tired of Winning, Jonathan Carl. Uh, the now we went through this beforehand. All your titles: national Was- uh, national correspondent, Washington, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah big, big, big deal. A really exalted grand eminence, chief Washington correspondent and co-anchor of This Week at ABC, Jonathan Carl. You know the man, uh, John. What? Wh- how's he doing? You know, I mean, the the reason why I wrote Tired of Winning was that I, as I was tracking his departure from the White House uh, and and up until, you know, where we are now, is, is I had really gotten the sense that in many ways he had lost it, that, that he had become more unhinged uh, than he was uh, even in those final weeks inside the White House, uh, more detached from reality. And I think you're. I think you're seeing that he clearly, uh, Nikki Haley, has got under skin. I mean, look, he's got. Um, I mean, the, the, the temper tantrum, and she's right to describe it that way. Uh, that he, um, that, that that he did after after New Hampshire. I mean, he won New Hampshire. Yeah, he won New Hampshire huge. It was strange. He won Iowa, and he comes out, and he and and the whole bit about how uh, anybody that donates to uh, to to Nikki Haley, your money's not good with me. <laughs> Yeah. You know? yeah, I'm coming for you. I, I can't tell you how many donor types have called me and said, that SOB, I just sent her money. I'm, yeah. We gotta have buttons yeah. uh, printed up. I'm <laughs> waiting for you, Donald. It, it's right. He hit a weird chord with that in all the wrong ways. But you're right. He had a meltdown. That was his idea of a victory party. And then and then Dave Bossy, one other thing, then Dave Bossy yeah. Yeah. puts forward, he was, he was one of the 168 members on the Republican National Committee, uh, and obviously former deputy campaign manager from the 2016 yeah, campaign. As close to Trump as as yeah. it comes, uh, he pushed forwards this resolution saying that the primary is over, the Republican primary is over, which is really wonderful. You know, you need what roughly twelve hundred delegates, and he's got how many yeah. does he have? Uh, 30, uh, 32 uh, uh, or yeah, something. thirty-two. Yeah, thirty-two. Yeah, so yeah, of course he's got it clinched. Um, 
And and the only reason why that got pulled back and Trump uh, renounced the effort is because it was clear, even among the 168 members of the Republican National Committee, that was a bridge too far yeah. uh, uh, to declare it over. So he's acting in a volatile way, a self-destructive way that may lead it all the way, you know, to the convention and, and the nomination almost certainly will. It's going to be the first White House that needs padded walls. That's where I think we're heading here. Padded walls that don't get stained when you hurl cheeseburgers against them. <laughs> well, is, true. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Scotch guard yeah, yeah. is the president's best friend. And it does strike me that Trump has never really uh, tolerated prosperity well in his political career. He always, when he's feeling um, chippy, he, 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 he becomes more self-destructive. But you did, you know, the subhead of your second book, uh, John, was the final act of the Trump show. Yeah. So it looks like he has another act here. There's always the opportunity for an encore, right? When you when you go to one of these <laughs> things. Uh, look, it, it, I mean, the, the idea that Trump would come back in any significant way, let alone as the clear dominant leader of the Republican Party and its presidential nominee again, the idea that that would happen after he left the White House the way he left seemed to me at the time quite absurd. And if you read the the you know, the arc uh, of, of of my follow-on book, the one that just came out, Tired of Winning. I mean, he announced his presidential campaign, this third campaign, a week after Republicans suffered all those losses in the midterms. And all of those Trump-endorsed candidates went down in flames. Right. And it was kind of a it, funereal affair, too, with that announcement. That was, uh, it was sort of otherworldly. Well, that no, was the window when the party was really thinking at least the leadership of something else. And then Biden got so weak, they started creating, holy Christ, even Trump might be able to win. And he reasserted his dominance. They dragged yeah. in everybody from the uh, bar scene of Star Wars into <laughs> a room. Uh, everybody was sort of st- stunned. And he gave this sort of uh, spiritless uh, yeah. announcement. Uh, and here we are, uh, you know, 14 months later or something. Um, and, you know, for all of what we just said, he's going to be the nominee of the Republican Party, Murphy. I believe he is. Um, you know, I still am holding out hopes for an alien invasion. And a, a rejiggering of the what whole process. What if he process, is the alien but, invasion? Well, that could be it. It's a welcome home party. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, we're going to have this entertaining Nikki Haley thing for a while, which, you know, on to Massachusetts. On your point, comment on the way out of it. Uh, yeah, but let's, let's, let's listen. hear her. She was on the TV on Sunday, and she was asked about her plans. As long as I keep growing per state, I am in this race. I have so every intention of going to Super Tuesday. Through through Super Tuesday, we're going to keep on going and see where this gets us. That's what we know we're going to do right now. I take it one state at a time. I don't think too far ahead. Now, now in that same interview, Murphy, she said she didn't have to win her home state of South Carolina. She had to do better than New Hampshire. Well, I have every plan to going to the Miss America pageant. But I have a feeling <laughs> I'm not going to be wearing the tiara. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, look, I'm enjoying this. I hope she gets a chance to actually use a heel as a weapon and bounce one off him. But. In the hard math of this, remember, it's about delegates not coming in a, you know, a pile of silver medals don't nominate you. Yes. And we we quickly, our calendar starts to switch because we're social Darwinist Republicans, unlike you, yeah. tear-jerking Democrats. We, we yes. go to winner-take-all pretty quickly. Including so, South Carolina, by the way. Right. So you can be two points behind and say, look what I did and get no delegates. So, 
you know, do I think she can hang on on a, on a, you know, thread and win the Massachusetts primary? Ah, she's got a good shot. Vermont could be in play, but that's about it. So, you know, if she can do damage to Trump along the way, I'm, I'm for it. If I were working for Nikki, yeah, I'd be planning to go away for a while and be the one who warned us after the next Trump collapse and Jonathan's fifth book, Trump finally, you know, <laughs> uh, the October of hell, the, final, the Canadian final, invasion, final, the final. final chapter. Yeah. And then she could really have a shot at nomination. She's young, but she, she's got to be a little careful about the uh, Captain Ahab thing here. Yeah. So then I want to ask you about this, uh, John. The, the, uh, it's hard to understand exactly what Haley's thinking is here what her path to anything is here and whether or not she actually emerges stronger uh, if she hangs in there longer. But uh, she is doing damage to, I mean, apropos of the conversation we just had, she's like a major, she may be a minor threat, but she's a major irritant to Trump. So in that sense, she is kind of doing Biden a favor, isn't she? I mean, she's she's certainly is because she's she's uh, drawing out behavior from him. He's he's going to get more and more vicious uh, and out of control in the way he attacks her. Um, and and this is this is not something that is going to endear him to uh, to independent voters. Uh, but look, she can stay in this as long as she wants. There's going to be money there. There is Republican money <laughs> that, that 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 will willing to be thrown away in the process of trying if at all to 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 stop trump and she's the last person standing so trump is as volatile self-destructive a political figure as we have ever seen um he by the way you guys may have heard uh, i think he's got four indictments and 91 or so counts oh uh, that's uh, right yeah remember yeah. that remember that well, yeah. Yeah, yeah i forgot about um, that so i mean do, do, do you really do you really just seed the field to the guy because he's ahead in the polls nationally and in every state, uh, probably including Vermont among Republicans. Um, or, or do you say, you know, the, the, I'm the last person standing and I'm going to be here and I'm going to take the fight. I'm going to take it both in terms of, uh, I'll be able to say, I told you so when Trump goes down in flames, uh, in, in, in the fall. Uh, but, but who the hell knows what happens with this guy? I'll tell you, though, I agree with that. But the flip side, and that's the argument people are making to her. And then the argument that donor types make in whispers says, hey, you never know when it's double meatloaf night. Anything could happen. So they're like, go to the convention, have some delegates. Who knows? The problem is on the flip side, the media narrative is exemplified by my friend and broadcast partner here, is that she's helping Biden. So, oh, Biden's cat paw, huh? That's the narrative that that is crushing in a primary the the other problem is she's not careful she becomes jerry brown against clinton i'm hanging in here me and Jacques, um and it 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 will start to take the shine off her and she still has a little shine so there's an inflection point where she has to think long term versus short term i think look she only has it she only has a future in this party if the fever breaks i mean because that's already there i mean she's already been branded as as the as the choice of democrats uh they, they, she's already they, they, they've already gone after her and so i mean you have you know Rand paul even before new hampshire was done started his uh never nikki movement you know i'm not i'm never nikki if she wins the nomination i'm not with her i mean they've they've already uh you know branded her as a as a globalist as a as a rhino as you know as on and on and on and and the, the 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 fever would need to break for her to have a future. Would that need to be a decisive 
you know, we lost in November as Republicans because by God, we backed this dude again and look what happened. Um, and we need to have what Reince Priebus might call, um, you know, what, 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 what was the, the, uh, autopsy, <laughs> yes. uh, after, after 2012, you know, Reince had the autopsy and they prescribed a candidate very much like Nikki Haley. Yes. And, uh, the, uh, it, Which didn't, didn't get. it didn't it didn't play well with the home folks and they had a different idea um you know mike uh the thing when we got together the day after the new hampshire primary i think one of my miscalculations was that uh she would have trouble raising the money I, and and that has not been the case you think these donors hoping that trump will slip on a legal banana peel here or do a full freak out will stick with her regardless uh i think some will she'll have and enough the small donors maybe she'll have a small small donor operation but she'll have some high dollar money i think she's in new york today or maybe yesterday you know raising toward the deadline but her campaign will not be a financial juggernaut after she loses south carolina she'll have enough to plausibly stay around and keep losing but after a while you have to kind of decide what what the utility is in that and, you know, the, the media will switch from helping Biden, which hurts her, to why is she still in? Is she nuts? It's over, which also hurts her. So, you know, like like fish, you don't want to be out in the sun too long. Um, I I'm I just I think from her point of view, I'm not a big fan. You know, I'm, I've always been pretty critical of Nikki because I dealt with her. But um, she has to think about her interest. Your credit, your criticism has been. That she's a shapeshifter, right? That uh, she's not particularly reliable in her personal commitments uh, to fellow politicians. But uh, this is unusual because uh, she's sort of sailing into the wind a little bit here. I mean, I mean no, this is on Nikki. Like she's been taking Desantis pills. When you're dead, you <laughs> turn into a good candidate. You know, this is we've seen this before. Now that she has nothing to lose, the fear monster that has held control of her psyche. In most of her time in politics, zigging and zagging is gone because she's got nothing to lose. So she's finally liberated. This is what Nikki would sound like, I am told, privately when she was U.N. ambassador in the cabinet. Like, we have a madman here. How are we going to deal with it? So it's been liberating for her. For the first time, it looks like she's having fun. So, you know, on a human basis, I'm, I'm, I, I feel well for her about that. I just, you know, we're the delegates. Right, which is sort of how you nominate candidates. Exactly. Other than that, she's doing great. What happens, John, if she if she were to win? No, I can't find a politician in South Carolina, a Republican politician who I talk to, who who, who believes that Trump won't win because it's uh, you know more of his blue collar uh, base, more evangelical. It's this is uh, you know more more than Iowa than uh, you know even Iowa, and less than New Hampshire for her. So it's not friendly terrain, although she's very popular there. But I did see some polling that had her closer, like uh, private polling that had her closer than uh, than the public polling has. What if she does beat, What I know this is unlikely, what would happen if she did beat him in South Carolina? Oh, we have a race. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, look, that, that that would be a jolt. That would be that would be a jolt, and and you know, we 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 move uh, very quickly onto uh, uh, onto Super Tuesday. But 
um, where you, you effectively have a national primary and, you know, the national look, the, the, the places that Trump had w- w- the weakest hold on the Republican Party were Iowa and New Hampshire. Simply, simply the case. Right. Uh, South Carolina has consistently been one of the places like he is nationally where he's where he's had a, you know, a, 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 a total total control over over the party. So if he, you know, if he manages to lose to Nikki Haley in in South Carolina after having by the way the support of of everybody in that state except for, you know, uh uh one 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 Republican house yeah, member. Ralph, I mean, Ralph Norman, yeah. Yeah. I mean, um and about half of Nikki's relatives, everybody else yeah, down yeah. there is for him. I mean, but but you know, but this is quite hypothetical because there, there, there's there's no indication, but God only knows. Uh we 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 still have uh we still have some time for Trump to further meltdown, but but it, that that would be that would be something of a bolt of lightning that would I think change the change the campaign. Yeah, she'd get a hell of a bounce. This would be the biggest expectations loss for Trump that you can imagine, and he's got two wired. He's got the, the caucuses, Michigan, Nevada, pretty much rigged, but some of those Super Tuesday states could bounce. The New England stuff, even California, huge winner take all would start to get interesting uh, if she's able to topple him in South yeah. Carolina. So it would it would open up the race a bit, a lot. The key factor is how he reacts. Oh, totally. I agree completely. I'm sure he would take it with equanimity, you know. And he would yeah. congratulate her, he would yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's very gracious, man. <laughs> now on to Super yeah. Tuesday, where we'll compete honorably again. It's all about yeah. the right headline, too. Rapist loses an upset. You know, that could get things going. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah. so you know you know he's a he's a terrible winner that, that he gets as you yes. said he when, yeah, when, when things are going that. well he's very destructive but we we've seen he tends to be a pretty pretty bad loser as well um so so let's yeah. see yeah well it's hard hard to say the race was stolen when the whole entire apparatus of the Republican Party and it's the yours. state are on your side yeah so. you've got all the thieves working for you you know it's like <laughs> Al Capone I was robbed. Crooked accountants. Uh, th- this also will be I- amusing. Let's 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 live fantasy land here for a minute because it's fun. Uh, we've talked about how technically competent for a change the Trump campaign has been, and my argument has been true. But they haven't had to deal with crazy Trump yet because he hasn't had a setback. He's been cruising ahead of a big poll lead. You know, Iowa easy win. So then came New Hampshire Day, where I'm sure he heard about the early exit polls that showed a you know four or five point race. And my theory is it took three people to hold him down and hood him like a falcon because he was throwing the biggest fit of all time. And that half-life was so long, he was still throwing a fit on his victory night. So we know Trump can, I mean, this is your point, Jonathan, you're so right. Nobody controls him when he's having one of his panic meltdown, the country hates me like my dad did panics. And if, if she were to win, it would be the epic H-bomb of Trump meltdowns, and he could do himself some real damage. I've always had the theory, if you beat him, it starts to unravel. The problem is, it's like the old Steve Martin joke, how to get a $100 million real estate empire in three days. Day one, get $100 million. So all you got to do is beat Trump to unravel him. Beat Trump. Hard. You can only imagine from the moment he got off that stage in New Hampshire, probably before he got on the stage, how hard his staff is working to try and keep him uh, under control. Uh, and they must be doing that now. John, you must be hearing from them. I mean, first of all, back to New Hampshire, when those, like you're right, the exit polls came out, it showed it could be a very, very close race. He actually 
you know, put out a, a, a statement on Truth Social basically saying that the election was being stolen, an election that he yeah. ended up winning uh, yeah. by, by, by double digits. This is a really, really strange campaign, even by the standards of Trump campaigns. In, in, until recently, there really wasn't a, a campaign apparatus. You had a handful of aides. Um, uh, they, they, they now at least have some office space down there in South Florida. Um, but n- not doing anything significant in the way of campaign events. Um, yes, uh, Chris LaCivita and, and Susie Wiles have you know, methodically gone through and worked the, uh, the, the state Republican primaries uh, to you know, to, 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 to make sure that the, the, the rules were set up in such a way that would benefit Trump. Um, but they, they largely accomplished a drama free campaign to yeah. this point by keeping Trump out of the yeah, campaign. There was no Trump involved. Right. Right. He was spending, and he has been, and is spending more time with his lawyers or actually literally in court, uh, than, than, than involved with, uh, with the campaign team, which is a trend that may continue by the way. Yeah, well, it, it it may intensify because these the, there there's more action coming up. All right, we're going to leave for a minute to pay the power bill, and then we'll be right back, folks. I have to admit it. I love wine. In fact, I usually have a couple of glasses before I have to deal with Mike Murphy on this podcast. So that explains a lot, and. I don't love walking into a wine store and trying to sort through all the wines and decide which ones are the ones that will please me. And that's why I am so excited that this podcast is sponsored by Naked Wines. Naked Wines is a subscription service that seamlessly connects you to the finest independent winemakers on the planet. So you get a box of the market's best quality wines, however often you'd like for a fraction of the price you'd normally pay in stores. How do they do it? Naked Wines connects winemakers and wine drinkers directly, allowing for vineyard-to-your-door delivery at up to 60% off what you would pay in a store. By cutting out the traditional retail middleman costs and markups, winemakers can pass those savings on to you without skimping on quality. And as a result, you'll get exclusive access to hundreds of top-quality award-winning wines at a huge savings making Naked Wines perfect for any type of wine drinker. I just got a box of wines here. I can't wait to tear into the rosé, which is one of my personal favorites. My wife is a, a avid white wine drinker, and so we split a box, and it's perfect. Their quiz matches you with bottles that you love, and each shipment includes wines they recommend based on your previous ratings. I can't wait to rate mine and get the process going. And you should know Naked Wines has been around for over 10 years and funds over 90 independent winemakers. With no commitments or membership fees, you can enjoy Naked Wines hassle-free. And here's the best part. Every bottle is a passion project from an independent winemaker. So you're literally making an independent winemaker's dream come true. So head to nakedwines.com hacks and click enter voucher in the top right when you get to the website and put in hacks for both the code and password to get six bottles of wine for just $39.99, with shipping included. That's that's $100 off and less than $7 per bottle. That's nakedwine.com slash hacks. Use the code and password hacks and grab six bottles for just $39.99. One last time, that's nakedwines.com slash hacks, code and password hacks for $100 off your first six bottles.
the paradox of the campaign is that he's got a a rational, experienced campaign team doing what rational, experienced campaigns teams do, and he's more unhinged than ever. And that re- really does raise the question uh, as to whether, uh, as to whether this early end, if it is an early end of the primary season, benefits him uh, to the degree that you would think, because now the spotlight daily 24-7 is entirely on him. And he may like the spotlight, but the spotlight isn't very flattering right now. Uh, And, uh, you know, he was in the protective cocoon of this Republican race, ignoring his opponents. Uh, You know, yeah, the occasional crazy uh, interview or or post on, on Truth Social. But now, you know, he's getting nominee attention. I'm not sure 10 months of that is that great for Donald Trump. I, I, I totally agree. I think one of the things that he truly benefited from up until this point is actually a lack of attention. And I, I know that sounds like a crazy thing to say about Trump, but, um, and again, another reason why I wrote tired of winning is for a good two years after the guy leaves the white house, nobody really pays attention to him. I mean, there's even like a blackout on Fox, uh, of, 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 of Trump news. People do pay attention to the impeachment trial in the Senate later the January 6th hearings, later the criminal cases and all that. But actually what Trump was doing, Trump almost as a madman in exile in Mar-a-Lago, getting in deeply enmeshed in these conspiracy theories, thinking that there was a way that he could be reinstated as president before the next election um, and engaging i mean obviously some of this got attention when he dines with uh yeah you know um uh white supremacist and a and a and, a, and an anti-semite at mar-a-lago a week after he announces he's running for president it generates uh, some attention when he declares that he we should consider suspending the constitution it's like a story for a day or two as republicans uh you know try to find a way to to, to ignore it uh but now you can't ignore it now you can't ignore what he's doing um, and he's as the presumptive Republican nominee, um, I, there will be a spotlight on him, not just on the swirl around him, but on him, what he is saying, what he would actually, what he's actually talking about doing. If he actually gets back in the white house again, none of this is particularly flattering. It may still play well among Republicans, but is deeply problematic in a general election. Yeah, the election. battlefield switches to a whole different kind of electorate in the general election. The other thing is he might just be covered as the front runner if the polls keep showing him, you know, beating Biden, which brings me to the brontosaurus in the room. My big worry, you know, as a Trump-hating Republican, is are we going to break the model in this election that has historically been mostly true that the first decision is keep or fire the incumbent? And then you move on to how acceptable the nominee is. Now, you can argue in the Obama reelect, they did a pretty good job making the election about Romney. And this election, a lot of gravity will want to make it about Trump. But Biden's still in the center, and he's got incredibly weak numbers. And he has not shown yet any ability to change him. Now, maybe the economy comes roaring back. You can start to paint scenarios that are kind of passive, where Biden rides along on some third force. But if Biden doesn't get his numbers up, I think even a pretty beat, you know, people forget just because I'm old and David, you'll remember in, in 1980, Carter was in trouble, but the kind of party line, well, they're never going to elect a kooky old uh, washed up actor, right wing kook who used to do monkey movies. Yeah. Ronald Reagan. And they, they did that because they didn't want Carter anymore. 
So I just wonder about the Biden part of this equation for all Trump's weaknesses. I, I do remember that. And I think, Carter, you, you're right about that. And the Carter folks were relying on that. Uh, I think Carter, uh, uh, Carter was weaker uh, than, than Biden is now, if just in pure uh, polling. But um, uh, there also, you know, one other interesting thing about that race, Murphy, was there was a third party candidate, John That's right. Anderson. A wine and cheese party candidate, kind of right. like the third way stuff we're hearing about now. And he took votes from, I suspect, from uh, from Carter. people who couldn't vote for Reagan. You know, yeah. he took that default vote away, which could be the scenario there with these third party things. Listen, Haley is running this ad in uh, South Carolina. She just put up an ad. We ought to listen to it. I voted for President Trump twice, but chaos follows him. We can't have a country in disarray and a world on fire and go through four more years of chaos. We won't survive it. Trump and Biden, it's going to be another nail-biter of an election. It should send a chill up everybody's spine at the thought of a President Kamala Harris. The first party to retire its 80-year-old candidate is going to be the party that wins this election. So it's a combo. It seems like a sort of greatest hits of all her arguments there, but it's a she just throw Biden in there to uh, try to leaven the anti-Trump uh, references for, I guess, voters in South Carolina who liked them both. I wish she'd been doing this a year ago because she's starting to make the right argument. And she's half stealing my line, and I'm happy about it, that Trump Biden gives you a nail biter. I give you a Republican landslide, which I keep slipping them on a piece of paper. Makes more sense when she says that I don't think you would have given them a Republican landslide. But Yeah, and I don't know how to use heels as a weapon either. I've practiced <laughs> a little. So, yeah, but it's, you know, it's just in the nick of too late yeah i mean it's it's you know i i just i gotta say i i don't understand it um i feel like nobody noticed what happened in 2016 when i mean i was running around covering the early maneuvers uh in that race as early as 2014 and uh you know throughout throughout the primary and you know, your, 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 your friend, Jeb Bush wouldn't say, wouldn't utter the guy's name. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I remember we, we, ABC had an interview with, uh, I wrote about this in front row. ABC had an interview with Jeb Bush, uh, that was, you know, we had been, you know, cause he was doing so few interviews and then it was, you know, it was all carefully, carefully managed. And uh, it was the day, or, or it was, I, I forget now, it was the day or the day after Trump had announced at Trump Tower that he was running. And, um, and like, one, one of the aides came over to our people and said, when the, the Bush aides came over and said, look, don't talk about Trump. The, if you guys start asking about Donald Trump, this interview is not going to go well. Um, <laughs> which was the message you got over and over and over again. Not just Jeb Bush, all of them, until it's too late. Until again, they get their inner. You know, Marco Rubio does his one week of uh, of, of stand up, as you said, where, where where he really takes him on. And 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 with Nikki Haley, it's the it's the same thing. I mean, she's been running for months and months and months, unwilling to cautiously. Utter, yeah, and, and even this stuff in that ad. I mean, yeah. I, 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 and I asked her about it when I interviewed her in New Hampshire in, um, in, in December as this chaos follows him. Yeah. What, what do you mean by that? She also prefaces it by saying rightly or wrongly. By the way, by the way what does that mean? Can you please help me? I mean, she says it <laughs> over and over again, rightly or wrongly. 
Yeah. What it means is it may not be his fault. I mean, I think that's what she's implying. So the rightly is it would be his fault. The wrongly would be it's because all the way people right, react right, to him. Right, right, okay. Right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I, yes. it's, uh... I, I think that's, I think that's <laughs> what it, it, it means. But listen, I think the difference between now and 2016 was nobody really, when, when you, at the time your book was published, nobody really believed Trump was going to come back. Haley was interviewed in 2021 and she said, he can't run. He's not going to be the candidate. And I think that a lot of these candidates were operating, particularly her and DeSantis, under the theory that these legal cases and all the burdens that Trump has would catch up with him and that right. he wasn't going to be he wasn't going to be there at the end. What the, the miscalculation was the degree to which these indictments actually would strengthen him among the Republican base. And that's indisputable that they did. In fact, I wonder, you guys, what I mean, he, maybe he'd be the nominee anyway, but I do wonder if there hadn't been indictments. And I'm not suggesting that he shouldn't have been indicted, but what if he hadn't been? I think it would have been the, the same. The the I mean, I agree with your analysis. I think it did help them in, in this election. The problem with the Republicans now is they confuse the general election with the primary. They're just going to run a big primary, and that's how they can lose. Done it before. But, but I would say, you know, because I was hearing it as a big never-Trumper, the fear of Biden went away. There was fear that Trump, who Biden beat, would get beat again, and we can't yeah, get beat. Now, why now the hell do we anybody have can beat yeah. Biden? Is yeah, what... why don't we get as Biden? Why don't we get somebody else and not take the Trump risk? And then, as Biden got in more trouble, the Trump risk evaporated in the party. Well, that was actually Haley's message when she began. Her mm -hmm. her message was in the in the first debate. She said, "Trump's a loser. We lose every time he runs. Right. Every time he's involved, and they don't believe it. And we're and and she basically said he'll lose to Biden." And she stopped saying that yeah. because they, they didn't believe it. Let's stop for a minute and listen to a word from one of our fine sponsors. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. I want to ask both you guys about the legal elements of this, because this is a campaign on two tracks, right? It's the campaign we're covering, and it's the campaign uh, that, is, that he's conducting from the courthouse steps and that he only partially uh, controls. Uh, but he does control part of it, and that is uh, the timing of things. And it seems to me now, you look at this polling, and uh, you know the thing that could really change the dynamic here for Trump 
would be if he were convicted in one of these big federal cases, particularly the January 6th case. But, you know, I've been talking to like Ellie Honig at CNN, who's a pal, who's their legal guy. Uh, and the opportunity for Trump to delay here is pretty significant. You know, the appellate court rules on his claim, ridiculous claim of absolute immunity. He gets then 45 days to ask the entire appellate court to rule on it. And then he has time to decide whether to appeal to the Supreme Court. And then they set a hearing schedule. And I mean, it just goes on and on. And it's very clear that he'll do anything to try and keep. And you do get to a point where it's going to be hard for a court to say, yeah, we're going to do this, uh, you know, in the two weeks before the Republican convention. Yeah, what's the jury going to be deliberating while the Republicans are nominating uh, uh, Trump? Well, they're not deliberating. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's. It, I, I would just say that I think two things are going to smash together here. On one hand, general election voters who already dislike Trump are going to have more reasons to dislike him at an epic scale. On the other hand, Trump can now say, and a lot of the Republican herd will believe him that this is all tribal, this is a, I'm being set up by the Democrats, they don't want to have an election, they want to rig it with a phony lawsuit. How come Clinton's not in jail? How come Hillary's not in jail? How come Hunter Biden's not in jail? It's all rigged. And that'll work in his world. In the base. Right. Uh, and even beyond a little, I think. So it'll be, it'll be interesting. And then we all know about the judiciary system. They hate more than anything else being accused of, interfering with democracy in elections. And that is a dampening effect that will, I think, lean on judges to slow down, not want to be in the hot spotlight there. So it it is a mixed bag. And in general election voter world, it hurts him. In the dynamic and narrative and timing of the campaign, mixed. Yeah. There's something not just a matter of of conviction here that's at issue. It's will the trials actually, or with the January 6th trial, Really, either of them, but the January 6th trial, will it start? Because it's not just a matter of conviction, it's a matter of what happens in the course of the trial. I, with with, with our investigative team at ABC, we have done a, a series of stories, um, very well reported, well sourced, about what people like Mark Meadows and Dan Scavino, um, the White House lawyers, what they have said uh, to Jack Smith. Uh, and, and what they would say if they were to testify. And it's, it's, a, it's a devastating portrait of Donald Trump. It's the people closest to him. In the case of Dan Scavino, it's still somebody who is with him. God knows where Mark Meadows is right now. But, but, but it is, it is w- when these guys are forced to speak under oath and they talk about Trump's behavior after the election in November of 2020 and in the days leading up to January 6th and on January 6th itself, as the Capitol was under attack, this is not Liz Cheney talking about it. These are the people right, right there. Absolutely. Who the trial Trump, could be devastating. And it is devastating. So even, even apart from whatever, if you get to a verdict, but uh, to, no, to I, LA, I think it's a matter of whether there is a trial. I don't think yep. I agree with you. A trial, I think would be very corrosive for him outside of the base because it's going to be the people closest to, I mean, I, I heard your Scavino piece and, you know, in it was, uh, so I think that the, the last resort for the Trump people, but I don't think it's a legal defense was, well, he actually believed it. You know, this is what Nikki Haley was saying in the in the fall of 2020. She was saying, well, 
They said, isn't he telling a lie? And she would say, well, you know, it's not a lie if you believe it. Uh, but that's not a legal defense. And there's plenty of evidence that a lot of people told them that it was wrong. Right. And, and there's and there's absolutely no doubt, as as I've meticulously written about almost like minute by minute, the January 6th committee had its take. And now you're going to see a much more, you know, first person account of what Trump was doing while the Capitol was under attack. And when one of his personal aides comes in and says that the vice president, Mike Pence, has been evacuated from the Senate chamber and he says, who cares? Yeah. Um, in real time, this is again, this is an aide under oath of uh, talking. This is this is a devastating portrayal. I, you know, I, I think you, you can get wrapped into. Doesn't Gideon. make that VP nomination that attractive, does it? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and, and 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 by the way, it wasn't the indictments. I don't believe that that, that brought him back. Because if if you look at, at 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 where the polling shift, it was actually pre-indictments. It was Trump's messaging. Um, related to all to his legal troubles, so the 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 raid on Mar-a-Lago, which of course happens uh, in in the summer of 2022, before he announced he's running for president, um, uh, you you have the, uh, the the midterms, which go so poorly, and the and and the analysis out of the midterms from Republicans as well as from all of us here was that one of the things that really hurt Republicans was the obsession with the 2020 election, um, and so. Trump goes and makes his announcement. It's teleprompter Trump. It's a very lifeless speech. Uh, yeah. You know, some of his aides come back to whisper. I, I was at Mar-a-Lago for it. They come back. Look, he's going to be really good. Look, no, no talk yeah. about 2020. Presidential. So he didn't mention 2020. And it was, it was, it was lifeless. And yeah, it was he talked about was draining funereal. the swamp, and it was awful. And then he starts listening to the likes of Steve Bannon, who says, "Don't listen to those guys anymore. You've got to. You know, this is a war." And they're out to get you, and they're out to get all of us. And he gives the speech at CPAC, which Bannon, to me, described as his come retribution speech. It's entirely different. And, uh, you know, come retribution, uh, which I, I <laughs> Bannon had borrowed from it, the Confederate code word to describe the plot to kidnap and assassinate Abraham Lincoln. Okay. Uh-huh. This is, this is, this is vengeance retribution we're gonna go out and utterly yeah, annihilate yeah, our yeah, enemies yeah and 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 he, and he makes the, the the first campaign rally you know weeks later in waco texas where you have people explicitly out there making the, the connection between the raid in mar-a-lago the, the fbi exercising a search warrant to get back the classified documents with what the fbi and the bureau now called tobacco and firearms did to the branch davidians in waco texas and and and, and he's back no, he's the, 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 there was a build. There's no yeah. doubt there was a, yeah. there was there was a build. Hey, uh, before we get to uh, the mailbag, because we have to get to the mailbag this week, Murphy, I, I just want to ask you one uh, a little bit about Biden and about about this battle. This immigration issue is a terribly difficult issue for him. Uh, and we've been saying here for months, Mike, that, you know, he ought to use these negotiations with the yeah, Republicans. Yeah, deal it out. As a yeah. pivot to a much tougher policy, which he has has done, they negotiated a a bill that would uh, be a lot tougher than anything we've seen in decades uh, uh, out of the Congress. Uh, it's infuriated some in the Democratic base, uh, but it, it's it's tough. And Trump senses this, and he now explicitly is saying, "Kill that thing. We don't want Biden." We don't want to give Biden this win. No, don't give him a win. This is, I mean, 
It is not new in politics to want the issue more than the solve uh, for partisan reasons. But this is a steroid. Yeah, case but to be that. so conspicuous about it on such yeah. a conspicuous issue, it seems to me it's an opportunity for Biden if he if he does it right. Yeah, it's just hard to fork him because the counterattack is you're being unreasonable. And they, it's the cannibal king joke. You know, every time you send an ambassador, they eat some. He, uh, first of all, says we're willing to do and eager to do uh, what was necessary. We wanted the authority from Congress. Uh, we were about to get it. We negotiated in good faith and painstakingly with Republicans in the Senate for months to get to this point. And uh, and then Trump comes along because he'd rather have the issue than solve the problem, as you say. And I think two elements of that are actually a strength of Biden's in this campaign. One is, I think people do believe that he can work with Republicans uh, to get stuff done. And secondly, uh, uh, they, they think they think that he's serious about like actually governing. Uh, and uh, it just exposes Trump for who Trump is. I mean, that's in the ideal. If you if you play it right. The problem is that's based on reasonableness as a lever in, in politics today. And what the Trump guys will say is, listen, Crooked Joe and the in the Trump, you know, Fugelman in the House and Senate. We have a crisis on the border because you're president. So the answer is to get rid of you. Here's our list of demands. They're even higher than before. Uh, this is all lip service. You ran against the wall. You don't get it. You got to go and hold that fight. Then you have guys, uh, poor James Lankford, who was the lead negotiator yeah, yeah, in I know. the Senate. I cut him out totally or undercut him. So why give him this in an election year, the cover of this deal that you know, uh, critics say it's still going to let a lot of people in, but he gets to take a victory lap that he's gotten something done. Yeah, yeah well, it's definitely not going to let a bunch of people in. It's focused on actually turning people around on it. It is interesting. Republicans four months ago would not give funding for Ukraine, for Israel, and for our southern border because we demanded changes in policy. So we actually locked arms together and said, we're not going to give you money for this. We want a change in law. And now it's interesting, a few months later, when we're finally getting to the end, they're like, oh, just kidding. I actually don't want a change in law because it's a presidential election year. We all have an oath to the Constitution, and we have a commitment to say we're going to do whatever we can to be able to secure the border. Well, God bless him. And the same for Romney and others who've stood up. But this is like the old thing when Stalin got a letter from the Pope saying, can you quit all the purges and all the murdering? And he crumpled it up and said, how many tanks does the Pope have? You know, tr Trump's is going to be a brutalist on this and his yeah. lemmings are going to follow him. It's tragic, but I, I think the politics of it are kind of set. Arguing your side of it, the one, uh, the, uh, I'm talking general election here, but uh, you want to take the temperature of the Republican Party, uh, the Oklahoma Republican committee state committee censured blankford right on saturday for engaging in these uh negotiations but i think if you're biden you gotta go you have to you have to use these things and his people you have to use these things uh as a foil now what the republicans are going to do uh, and i heard jd van sort of hinting at this yesterday they're going to go to every republican in the senate now and say listen the house is never going to take this bill up you don't want to walk the plank on this and buy yourself the kind of trouble that Langford did. Just don't. Totally. Yeah. Their thing is, look, this is our issue to beat Biden. You want to fix the border? Get rid of the cause. Joe Biden, he gave you inflation, open borders, and corruption. Bingo, bango, boom. The election starts tomorrow. That, that's how they think. Langford has 
effectively been making this case. I mean, this is this is the strongest policy that they are going to get at the border. Uh, this this is far greater than what what will happen if Trump is elected president in terms of of, of policy changes at the border. Trump's going to need sixty votes in the Senate unless they uh you know find a way to 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 do away with the filibuster. Uh, he's going to need sixty votes in the Senate. There's no way that de- any Democrats are going to go along, even with with a carbon copy of this with Donald Trump as yeah. the president of the United States. But, but Trump wants enemies, not accomplishments. Right? Of course. You know, of course. You know. Yeah. So, I mean, it's tragic, but it we'll we'll see how this plays out. But I I do think you may be right that it plays out this way from the Biden end. I'm just saying that a deft campaign and a deft president will uh, score some points if they reject the the toughest border bill. In th- it's the first time he's had any cards to play, uh, you know. And maybe he will do some things by executive uh, order now and by administrative. That's the move order. I think is to toughen himself up because he's trying to play chess with an irate chimpanzee. And yeah. under the old rules of politics, your strategy is exactly right, where you can shame him into the corner. And and in the Beltway media, which is sophisticated, it'll work. Out there in regular land, in voter land, what's a Lankford? You know, it's going to be the Biden guys want open borders. We don't. Let's have an election. Yeah. By the way, when, when did this whole thing of, of state parties censuring elected uh, officials start happening? I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, it, it happened. I, I Arizona censured McCain, didn't they? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. I was banned for life by the Iowa State Committee back in the 90s from ever attending a, a, the straw poll. It's a whole nother I thought story. that was warranted, by the way. But <laughs> yeah, that... no, no. It was unanimous. You know what? And, and the straw poll hasn't been the same since. I, I like, took so, it uh... down. I took it down. <laughs> okay, let's take a break right here for a word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. We had this attack over the weekend in uh, Jordan, uh, where in which three Americans were killed. Uh, Republicans assailed the president right away and said, "If you don't hit Iran, uh, you know." Uh, Tom Cotton said, "You know, he doesn't. Have, we'll see if he has the courage to respond and and so on." You know, I, I having been around the White House and so on, uh, I know how complicated these things are because uh, a full-out war. Is not is not what Biden wants or needs or the country wants or needs, and yet you do have to. How uh, we may have an answer before anybody hears this, but uh, how do you guys 
assess his situation and what does he need to do here? You know, just politically, because that's we're hacks, not geopolitical strategists, but I would clobber the Houthis and I would sink a few Iranian gunboats that are harassing ships uh, in the straits. Because that way you're not violating their territory, but you're sinking a few gunboats. Believe me, the Navy would love to do it. And that way you, there's, a, there's an Iranian flag floating in the water, too. It's an escalation, but in the end, the Iranians have to back down. You don't bomb Iran. And what's, and what's interesting is politically, you know, you do have the Republicans that basically want to nuke Tehran. And we're calling for attacks on Iran before the first proxy attack uh, uh, in, 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 this, in this episode. Um, but you know, that's not really where the populist heart of the new Republican party is. Right. Yeah, that's true. These guys aren't looking for a war, another war in the middle East. That's largely why they are alienated from the old Republican party. That's right. And yeah, and you know, the weird thing about Trump is he talks tough and isolationist at the same time. I mean, he wants, he, he preaches dis non-engagement and calls people warmongers. Uh, who uh, want to uh, take a more active uh, position. Well, that those are his bone spurs acting up. You then know. he'll attack Biden for being weak. When the pressure's up, the bone spurs start to trigger again. He's limping around. <laughs> yeah, right. you know, it's just a whole idea of war. Okay, let's hear from the incredible Hacks on Tap singers. It's listener mailbag. If you have a question for us, the Hacks, all you got to do is email it to us at HacksOnTap at gmail.com, HacksOnTap at gmail.com. You can send general comments there, too. You can rate us on iTunes, or you can call the impossible-to-remember phone line in the back of one of the Chicago Machine's many voter enrollment centers and leave us a message, and we'll play it on the air. Just keep it under 25 seconds because we do the bloviating around here. Check us out, and uh, thanks for listening. Oh, I'll do one more plug. Hey, and you want to track EV politics, check out my new thing, evpolitics.org. Why do Republicans hate electric vehicles when they're great and better? And why is China betting on more Republican silliness? Check it out, evpolitics.org. Cool polling data. So, uh, Murphy, Andrew has a question of you as a native Michigander, and here it is. Hey, Hacks on Top. It's Andrew Kiso from Minneapolis. Could you comment on the significance and impact of the recent UAW endorsement of President Biden? What impacts could this have on the general election, particularly in a battleground state like Michigan? Thanks. Andrew, that is a great question. And thank you for calling in from the great, great state of Minneapolis, where local political activist Doug Daniel, my father-in-law, is tuned in right now. I married a Minnesota girl. Okay, so what does this all mean? If you will remember... When we talked about the strike uh, during the strike here on Hacks, there was a moment when Joe Biden joined the UAW picket line and people were saying, oh, political masterstroke. They had not endorsed him at that point because they don't like his electric vehicle policies because it's possible to build an electric vehicle with fewer people. So, of course, UAW doesn't like that um, called progress. But putting that aside, I said at the time, Michigan politics is pretty complex about the UAW. It's not a big layup. Oh, they love him in Michigan. He he hit a UAW picket line. UAW is a polarizing force there, too. Remember, a lot of the supply chain that felt pain during the long strike are not UAW members. And those guys were laid off, too. They, They resent the UAW wages, which are very high. The UAW generally negotiates that senior members get a lot of the new money. The younger guys get squeezed. There's trouble there. 
And Biden's polling numbers went down after the strike in Michigan, not up. They remain one of his weakest swing states. So UAW finally wheeled around and predictably, there was speculation about Trump never going to happen, endorsed Biden later than historical norm, by the way, because of this electric car thing. Uh, But it's a net plus for him, you know, but labor... The UAW is a shadow of what it used to be in Michigan politics. So there'll be a lot of other factors that are more important, but, you know, it's helpful. If he hadn't gotten that endorsement, it would have been an abject of disaster uh, for him uh, from a public relations standpoint. So and it dovetails with his message, which is fighting for an economy that works for uh, working people and strengthening labor is a part of that. You got one for me? I do. I have. We have another voice question. On our, on our machine here. This is from Blake for David. Howdy, this is Blake from Austin, Texas. I'm a little concerned about the deep fake Biden phone call that popped up in the closing days of New Hampshire. The specter of AI has been floating around politics for a few cycles now. Do you think this is the year where deep fakes really become a big problem? Thanks. Love the show. Well, first of all, let's leave Arlen Specter out of this. He's deceased. <laughs> I don't think... I, I don't think that uh, there's any question that this is a huge uh, concern. I don't think that story got enough attention, actually, in New Hampshire, because I think this is going to be uh, a situation that's going to be replicated uh, again and again. This was uh, this was uh, uh, Biden discouraging people, allegedly discouraging people, and it clearly sounded like him discouraging people on a robocall from participating in the in the Democratic, uh, I'm sorry, in the Republican primary, Democratic leading independents. And that was the message, right? Yeah, I think it was voter suppression. And this is yeah, going to be yeah. a thing. It, it is. It's coming. In fact, I'd like to challenge our inventive uh, listeners. If somebody can come up with a deep fake audio recording of either me or Axelrod or Gibbs, send it to us at Hacks on Tap at Gmail. And if it's not completely offensive and filthy, we probably wouldn't play that one, but we'll play it on the air. Let's see what we can come up with. And if it makes sense, we may re- actually use, uh, sign them as a substitute host for Murphy. Right, right. We're off. I think that would be good here. Yeah. And and, and by the way, I mean, I think the, the impact of AI goes far beyond deep fakes. I mean, the way the yes. AI a, as a tool can be used to manipulate uh, voters and, and so divisions, I, I think are we're a whole new frontier here. And, and deep fake is just one element of it. And I think you're going to see a lot of it. You know, it's not going to be obvious to everyone, but in social media, I think you're going to see it overrun by deep fakes, you know, fakes of Biden speaking or misspeaking, uh, you know, fake, all kinds of things. And and from all kinds of sources, uh, uh, American and uh, from malign actors overseas. So I, I think this is a real, real problem. And the problem with technology is it churns so rapidly, it's really hard to get your arms around it in real time well it, it can hack biology i mean we see an image of a tiger jumping at us we run and think about it later uh by the way if you go to the usc university of southern california center for the political futures website we're literally doing our warsaw conference later today it's going to be videoed and you can see it there and there are links to it we have a panel on disinformation and ai and all that with some experts including our friend sasha eisenberg so you can you can watch that online in a day or two if you're interested in this area. It's going to be huge and troubling. I have a question for you, Jonathan Carl, from Sam. 
Why isn't there more effort by anti-Trump groups to encourage strategic voting by Dems and Indies in open primary states? I can't think of a single reason why anyone who hates Trump would waste their vote in a non-competitive Democratic primary when they could vote for Haley on the Republican side. I actually asked Gavin Newsom about this. He was down in South Carolina campaigning uh, for for Biden in the South Carolina primary. And my question was basically, why are you here? Why are you doing this? Um, if, if you really believe that Donald Trump is an existential threat to American democracy, if you really believe that this goes far beyond policy agreements, that the man uh, is, is, is a threat to the country, the, the way to stop him right now, the immediate way, there's only one person standing between him and the Republican nomination, and that's Nikki Haley. Right. In the South Carolina primary, which is set apart two different dates, uh, if you there's no no registration by party in South Carolina, as you know, if you vote in the South Carolina primary, Democratic primary, which is first, you cannot vote in the Republican primary. But if you hold your vote, you can vote in the Republican primary. So if you really wanted to stop Trump, you would have a movement to vote in the Republican primary. Of course, this is all kind of a fantasy. It would never... There, there has been an organized effort. It, it kept a low profile, but they're coming out in the open now. A State Department guy named Robert Schwartz, who's a good, sane Republican, it's called Primary Pivot. They spent about 500 k in New Hampshire, and they're now kind of coming out in the sunlight because they're working hard in South Carolina. So if listeners want to know, go to primarypivot.org. You can learn all about it. And help out. Yeah, the stag- the staggered the staggered date of those primaries in uh, oh, nightmare in South Carolina yeah. is a is a complicating factor for sure because you you vote in the Democratic primary you you're basically done. I'm not talking about an effort by Nikki Haley to but 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 if you were Gavin Newsom and what did Gavin say? Uh, he said, "Well, we can't game the system. You know that kind yeah. of stuff doesn't work, et cetera, et cetera. We play by the existing rules, but these are actually the these existing the rules. rules. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. So, um, you know, you, you you would get up on the stage. You would Joe Biden get up on the stage, say, vote for Nikki Haley. Of course, you know it, it, it's not going to happen. But if you take them at their word, this guy's a threat. He's got to be stopped. This is the next battle in trying to stop him." And Joe Biden doesn't, he's not going to lose the South Carolina primary, you know? He doesn't need to be campaigning down there for himself. This is his big, uh, his big debut primary here. This is the yeah. one that he set up. Uh, so uh, I'm sure they want to, they want to show some strength in that primary. I don't think it's going to make a huge, that's not where the attention is going to be in South Carolina. Jonathan, Carl, oh, first of all, we should say, Murphy, I don't know if we're still doing book club. We are intermittently and. No better addition to the book club than exactly any any of the Jonathan Carl trilogy. And the la- the latest is tired of winning Donald Trump and the end of the grand old party. It'll help you understand the madness that you're watching in the coming months. Great to have you, my friend. Thank you for being with us today. Great, thank you for having me, and really enjoyed. Uh, always enjoy talking to you guys. Thank you for having me. Come back often, yeah. Murphy, I'll see you next week. All right. Take care, David. On to South Carolina. Maybe we go yes, down sir. to a barbecue joint and do a little shoe leather reporting down there. I what never do turned down barbecue. <laughs> Let's right. look into that. Am- 
amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. 